Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm, I'm so thankful for the longer worship set. It's nice to do that. I think uh, the Lord deserves that. You know, after Mission Focus, He deserves um, our praise, and, and it was good to, to sacrifice a little extra time uh, just to, to be worshiping and, and praising Him. Um, so, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 today. So, go ahead and turn there, if you will. And uh, I really, I was, man, it, it's cool when God does things that. You kind of anticipated in your heart, and then things go the way you imagine them. That's always good, isn't it? I knew going into to mission focus that Acts 13, what we'd, what we'd studied, uh, would absolutely prepare us to hear from the Lord. And so last time we were together, we walked through uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, primarily. That's, that's where we were. And in looking at that, we talked about the model church. Remember, we talked about uh, what a mission's DNA within a church looks like. I don't know if you... You remember that? It's a lot of services ago. That's like 12 services ago. Um, but uh, that's what we were discussing. Now, now today we're going to talk about the other part of that. And we're going to talk about um, God's mission model for our life. And um, I, I mean, I don't know if you saw that there was a clear correlation between especially the messages of Brian Clark. Uh, for those of you who were there for that, or for those of you who don't know, we just, we just had a missions conference if you're not catching on. And we spent uh, four days in God's Word and in worship uh, talking about what it means to reach the whole world with the gospel. And, uh, and it was really powerful and, and, and good time. But it was Brian's message and Joe's message the last night that really, I think, uh, dovetailed really well into what we've been talking about in Acts. And, and, um, and Brian, in particular, showed a chart. Um, don't, don't show the chart yet, okay? All right? Uh, but uh, I, I'm curious, I've got a couple shirts here. Yeah. Free stuff. I've got, I've got just a couple more of these left. Some of you don't know that these exist. Okay, I have like three more of these. They're all, they're all XLs, sorry. Um, and, and I've got a couple of the older Living, Living Faith Fellowship t-shirts left, like this one, for those of you who like the gray-blue. Um, I'm wondering if anybody can uh, remember and would be willing to raise their hand uh, the first four steps in that, in that cycle that Brian Clark talked about. Just the first, the first four. Who remembers the first four? Ooh, Hannah. Uh, you're called upon, yes. The, the teacher. Oh, no, I'm called. Oh, 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 yeah, the first one is called. You're, you're like coming at me. Okay, you're, re- you're ready. No, 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 say all four. The first four. Okay, go. Called. Called. Trained. Separated. Separated. Sent. Which one did you want? Okay. All right. There you go. All right. So, then the next four. Is anybody willing? Whoa, Lon. Ready to go. What was well, yeah? Slow, slow down so others can hear you. Uh, preach, hear, believe, call. Good, excellent. Oh, thank you. It's cozy. That's right. So, um, so what we're going to actually be talking about is how how that model, that concept, overlays exactly what's happening in Acts chapter thirteen, and it's going to be super practical today. It's going to be super practical. And I'm, I'm really excited about what God's going to show us. Uh, let's go ahead and begin by looking at verse 1. And, and what we learn from that cycle is that essentially that every believer follows this path, the one that we just talked about, Hannah and Lon shared with you. Every believer follows this path toward fulfilling the Great Commission. Every believer. Every believer starts by being called. Every believer. And there's a lot of people in this room who remember when you were called. And by called, what we mean is that God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, 
compelled you to give your life over to Jesus Christ that it might be ruled by Him. And so you called upon Him for, for, for forgiveness of sin, right? And He took over your life. And He put inside of you the Holy Spirit. And a lot of you can remember when you did that. I can remember when I did that. And everything changed from that moment on. And you were thrown headlong into, what, into this cycle, what we're just talking about. You were called out. Acts 13.1 says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had, been brought, uh, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. These were all men, this is a list of men, who were all called and then trained. That's what we see here. is a group of five men who had been called out. At some point, each of them saved. And at some point, point each of them invested in. And at the conference, we were reminded by Joe uh, that last night that Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. You remember that story? Okay. Paul was Saul, previously Saul, right? In fact, we haven't even come to the point where he's renamed yet. We'll get there. Uh, but, but Saul was on the road to go and persecute the church. And a, and a voice called out to him, and a light blinded him. And Jesus, the voice of Jesus Christ said, Why do you oppress me? Why do you persecute me? Why are you going against what I want in terms of the gospel being spread? Why are you going against that work? And Saul had no choice but to call on Jesus in faith and say, God, what would you have for me to do? I will follow you. And in that moment, he was blinded. Now, now, now the, the point to that is that each one of these men had experiences, maybe not exactly like that, but were they called upon Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And then what we see is that the, the model here is that Saul, Paul, goes and is trained. And Joe's point was that, that, the, that he was blinded so that he had to be led. Right? He had to be led. And he was led to a, name, a man named Ananias who would be used to restore his sight. And then what we read, uh, we, we covered this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, that Paul was trained for three years in Arabia and Damascus. He was trained. Now what's implied, I'll go ahead and read it, Galatians 1.15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, this is Paul recollecting his testimony, and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. In other words, upon his conver conversion, he didn't go and check in with men. He went to go get trained. He didn't go to, to, to make himself known and his conversion known. His primary focus was to be trained in the Word. And what's implied here in the text is that Jesus Christ himself discipled him. Now we could talk about that and debate it later, but what is implied in the text is that Jesus Christ himself spent three years discipling him in the quiet of Arabia and in Damascus. Pretty powerful. Now what, what I want to point out to you is that this is not much different, and you're not going to go into the desert to be trained by Jesus, okay? But this isn't much different than what we see played out through the remainder of the New Testament and in the church. Okay? So here's key point number one. Every called believer is trained by mentors and ministry. Every called believer is trained by mentors and by ministry. In other words, any person that is destined to grow in their faith will begin a, 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 with a mentorship relationship in God's Word. We refer to that here as discipleship. Why? Because it's reminiscent of the way that Jesus Christ trained His 12 disciples, spending time with them daily, Breaking bread, sharing life with one another, speaking of the commands of God. And we, we instill that in one another here. Everybody needs a teacher. Right? Romans 10 talks about that. Everyone needs a teacher. Everyone needs someone who's just a little bit further along in the faith, a little bit more mature, a little bit more of a leader than you, who can take you by the hand, whom you can submit yourself to as a teacher, as an authority, and who will walk you through life you might be built up in the faith. Everyone needs that. And you aren't excluded from that. And so we talk about mission focus, and we're talking about uh, uh, God 
making us into mission-minded individuals. Well, what I would suggest to you is that what the, the first thing you need to do after you're called out to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to find a mentor. And some of you have yet to do that. Some of you have yet to determine that you need someone in your life to pour into you and build you up. Now, we, we can, uh, tomorrow on the postscript, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of interviewing. This is a plug. I can't, I can't help it, but it's, it's shameless. I know, but I can't help it. I happen to be the Kaya pastor, and I happen to do a podcast, right, Blake? So this is okay, right? I can talk about the show. Yeah. What you're going to hear is uh, I'm, interview, I'm in the middle of interviewing Dan. Dan is the guy, is, is the man that, that discipled me. And so we're having a conversation about what is and what isn't discipleship. And in the world today, we, like, again, you've heard me say this before, that a lot of times we talk about discipleship. But we, we usually, like in, in other church circles and other evangelical circles, that is a very vague term. And it can be applied to all types of things. We could talk about discipleship in terms of Sunday school. We could talk about discipleship in terms of small groups. We can talk about discipleship just in terms of being a part of church or having ministry experiences. And all of that stuff is true. But if we're honest with ourselves, what the scripture teaches is that discipleship is mentorship. One person taking God's word and pouring it into the life of another person. And here's the benefits to that. Let me just speak really practically about the benefits of that. The benefits of that is that you have someone that you can trust. You have someone in your life that, that hears you specifically. It's a, it's a friend. Someone who's a friend to you. Who will listen to you. Who will know the specificities of your life. The, the, the nuances of your struggles. And they'll hear you and they'll pray for you. And they'll take God's word and they'll apply it as the salve, as the ointment, as the, as the what is it that we use? It, what's the ointment that we always use? Neosporin. We, I, use, I grew up using Neosporin for everything, right? It was like Robitussin and, and Neosporin. If those two things didn't fix your problem, you're screwed. No one knows what to do at that point. The next stop is the ER. That's the only option. Right? But God's word is the neosporin. It's the tussin for our lives. And it, and, it, and it heals us. And we need someone. right? We need a father or a mother in the faith that are, are, are willing and ready to distribute God's word to you in a timely and appropriate manner. And when we talk about biblical discipleship, that's what we're talking about. And so what's keeping you from doing that is the question. And that applies to everybody in this room. Just because you finished D1 doesn't mean you're done being discipled. Now, I don't, and again, I don't just mean D2, which is what you should do next. What I'm talking about is putting yourself in a position where you're always surrounded by mentors. And I'm so blessed. You know, at this stage in my life, I don't, I don't have as many mentors as I used to. When I was young, it seemed like everybody was older and more mature than me. And I could go to like a million people and I would get good advice and good counsel. And, and the older you get and the further along in the faith you get, you have less and less of those. And I'm so thankful for the Living Faith Fellowship because what it does is it allows me to be surrounded by godly men that I can turn to. The, one of the weird benefits of Living Faith books is that Mark Trotter has become one of my best friends. Isn't that weird? I'm just a big, stupid idiot. In my mind, I'm still like 18. And I don't know anything. And I've got, man, I've got a friend that I can, like, I can text Mark Trotter at any time and he's willing to hear me. And that's how our friendship has grown. And you know what? Everybody needs people like that in their lives. We can't ever stop that. It's so crucial. Now, it's not just mentors, but it's also ministry that builds you up. Any person that's destined to grow in their faith will need to be trained by the ministry itself. You know, Sam always says, and I think this is on the slide, ministers don't build ministry. We have that idea in our mind. That's the way the church in the West is built, isn't it? That ministers build out ministry. It takes pastors and, and hired professionals to build ministry. So that all of us have something to do when we get together on a Sunday morning. That's the way most churches function. Not ours. Not ours. Here at Midtown Baptist Temple and in Kaya, the ministry builds the ministers. In other words, you don't have to have it all figured out. You didn't have to be like a, a, a seminary graduate to be able to take a hold of ministry. See, ministry itself is the, is the, is the process of forming you. You doing the work of God, the experience of living out the work of God, will mold you and conform you into Jesus' image. In ministry, you will learn to labor. 
right? Am I right? For those of you who are practicing ministry right now, you found your niche in ministry and you're doing that. It'll teach you how to labor. It'll teach you how to suffer. There's an art form to suffering well, to remaining stable in the midst of a storm. It'll teach you to study, how to study God's Word. I mean, I don't know if you, like some of the growing leaders, you know that ministry will at times draw you to God's Word where you have no choice but to just listen to God's Word and train yourself to study it and study it well. Ministry does that. Ministry will teach you how to be rejected. I can't tell you, you know, just being honest with you, I've been rejected so much over the last three months. My counsel, my word. I mean, you pour your life into people and they're, you know, metaphorically, they spit in your face. And they blame you. They point their finger at you and they say, this is your fault that I've gone this way. Because it can't be their fault. It has to be someone. There has to be a scapegoat. Well, guess what? If you're a growing leader, that's going to be you. And you know what? You're not perfect. I probably did fail people, but that's not the point. That's not the point. And you know what? Ultimately, learning to lead is learning to suffer. You learn, you learn what's really the priority. Ministry teaches you how to prioritize your schedule, your life, your finances, your attention. It teaches you how to fail. You've got to fail. You guys know that, right? You know, you know that failure is a great teacher. You know that. But man, there's nothing like being a, a, a young believer, fresh out of D1, who's leading some sort of ministry or ministry objective, and you mess something up. And you've got to go to your pastor, you've got to go to someone else, and you say, well, I just screwed that up. You learn from that. Yes, I, I told you guys the story of, of, of the guy I played basketball with who I hit in the face right, with the basketball at practice. I just did that with my son yesterday. <laughs> like, I repeated that whole situation. We were, we were, we were practicing how to, to, to grab the ball, and we're practicing communication. We just, he, he's on a basketball team. It's his first time he's ever been on a team playing. It's always been, like, clinics, basketball clinics. And they, guys, they suck. They were so bad. They were so bad. So we went to the park immediately afterwards and started practicing. <laughs> what? I didn't have a coach dad in my life. Right? So I'm going to be a coach dad. And he's going to get thick skin. And so we're practicing and we're throwing the ball back and forth. And that ball, if, you know what, goes right through his hands and slams right in the face. And he's eight, so he cries because that's what eight year old boys do. And I went up and I hugged him and I said, This, hey, this, this happens in basketball. And daddy's felt that same pain. And we're not going to stop. So I let go of him. And I let him wipe his own tears, and we went right back to it, throwing the ball back and forth. Now listen to me. For all of you who are soft, you're going to think, well, what a heartless jerk. <laughs> but that's because you're soft. And that's the biggest, no, listen, that's, the, that's one of the biggest problems with this generation is that we're softer than any other generation to ever exist. We all need a coach in our life in ministry that's going to teach us, look, there's going to be tears. There's going to be pain. Let's get back to work. We need ministry to teach us that. We need to learn from our experiences until ultimately you show that, that you know how to make full proof of your ministry. 1 Timothy 3 reminds us that for someone to be ordained, they cannot afford to be a novice. By, by novice, we mean naive. We can't afford that. And this applies to anybody in leadership. There are just some jobs in ministry that require certain types of leaders. Look at verse 2. As these men ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me. That's the next step. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So in Acts 13, we see a group of five men, all called, all trained, all proven, and yet only two are separated. They leave three elders behind. Why? Why, why were three elders left behind? We could do the math. Two were sent. Three were left behind. We talked about this. Why? Because the church in Antioch could not afford to not be a model church. Three men had to stay behind in order to make that church everything it needed to be to support the work of missions. There will be people who are separated to go, and there will be people who are separated to go here. There will be some of you who are called to some ministry work locally, right here. There will be some who are called to go away. 
That's how, work, that's how the ministry works. Every successful church plant or change in ministry will only affirm that the work at home will go from strength to strength. And what I mean by that is anytime someone leaves and goes away, you know, when, when, a, when a Mike Renault goes to Boston, we know that that's of God, and we can trust that God's going to help us here at home go from strength to strength. Nothing will be lost. Nothing will be lost in that work. In fact, we will only grow in the pruning of those believers who are being placed somewhere else. Key point number two. Whether you stay or go, you must know it's of God. You have to know it's of God. Whether one stays within a ministry work or a local church to invest and strengthen that work or whether one leaves to start a work or strengthen another work, it's of the utmost importance that you know it's of God. You have to know it's of God. These men were separated, not by personal opinion or self-will. They were provoked. They didn't petition for this. They didn't, you don't see them in this story going to the other elders and saying, guys, it's time for us to go. We've outgrown this work. They don't do that. They were provoked by the Holy Spirit. They were separated. Now listen, I want you to note that they were separated for work. They were separated for work. To be separated from the work of God means there's another work to be joined to. We must know that to be separated is to know where you're being separated to. Not that you will have all the answers when you get there, or that it will go exactly as planned, or that you'll be completely prepared for everything, everything thrown at you, or that you'll be fruitful immediately. That's just not true. And we can, listen, we can, let's just be real honest right now. We can see that fruitfulness looks different in different places. The soil in Tampa has been particularly hard, so pray, please. So pray. They're just now getting traction. After three years of work, that church is just now starting to grow, and they're just now getting to a place where they have many uh, disciples, enough disciples for the ministry uh, leaders uh, to each be at work, discipling. Praise God for that. It took a little time. Living Faith Lee Summit seems like they just blew up immediately, right? Like, and we look at that and we ask ourselves why. Why? Because we don't have to have it all figured out. The only reason we ask that question why is because we think we need to know. We think we need to know. Well, guess what? You don't. You don't have to know. You just have to know that you're supposed to work. For Barnabas and Paul, they had tons of unanswered questions. As they go out on their first missionary journey ever, you can see that they don't have it figured out. They're, they're flying by the seat of their pants a little bit. They have to trust the Lord. They just knew that they had to work. They had no idea that they would face hardship or difficulty or how, or, or how people might respond when they started preaching. Just that, that as they, they, they went about, that they'd be spreading the gospel. That's what they knew. So key point number three. Separation means, this is a big one, okay, so, so make sure you write this down. Separation means personal surrender to the mandate or the assignment of God. That's what that means. Separation, if we're going to define what separation in this context means, it means personal surrender to the mandate, a, a specific assignment that you've been given, a need that you've seen. And you know that there's a method behind that. And by method, what I mean is whatever is required for the work you'll do. If it's in Vietnam, you'll become as a Vietnamese person. You'll take on the culture. You'll adapt socially. You'll do what is required. There'll be a method to the work. And there'll be a mind. A mind. A sober resolve. No turning back. Kelly's wearing her shirt. She was wearing her shirt when she got baptized. I have decided. Rachel's wearing hers today too. I've decided. That's saying I'm, like, I'm not going to turn back from what I've determined in my mind. And to be separated means that you have a resolve, a personal and sober resolve, an attitude that says you're not going back. Whatever may come. So you're, you're separated for a mandate, a method, and a mind for a distinct mission, meaning a unique and specific mission for your life. A unique and distinct mission that God's called you to. 
And that could be, again, that could be locally here in this church. I mean, some of you are moving around like I can hardly keep track. Like Nick and Hannah are going to join the the, uh, discipleship team. And they're going to start helping out in that work. And there's others of you who are taking on new works and you're leaving a void behind for someone else to fill. And what we're seeing is people moving up and growing in their leadership because they've been called to something new and distinct. And other people are stepping into their shoes. And it's beautiful to watch. It's exactly how ministry should work. So that's key point number three. And, and I'm leaving time because I have something real special for you here in a second. Number three, they were sent. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So we already talked about last time we were together about how the church affirmed this work. Everyone agreed, right? There was that mass email, all right? There was that mass message, right, that went out. Everyone in the church knew this was of God, and so they went. We don't need to belabor that. But what we need to talk about is where they were sent. They departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So in approximately 47 AD, the brethren ordained Paul and Barnabas as apostles. From Antioch, the two, uh, the two apostles and John of Mark begin what will be Paul's first missionary journey. First missionary journey. And this is represented in Acts 13 and 14, where we're going to be spending time. We're going to be spending time here. We're going to look at this first missionary journey over the next couple weeks. The apostle Paul and company traveled to Seleucia, then sailed to Salamis, the principal city and seaport of, of, of the island of Cyprus. And Cyprus is where Barnabas was born and raised. So you see these men are called, trained, separated, and sent. They're sent to do a work. Now, with that in mind, I think it's only appropriate that we invite Andrew Ong up to share how God did these exact same things in his life up to this point. For those of you who don't know, Andrew was ordained at Mission Focus as a pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. So we need to start referring to him as a pastor, right? Now, now when I say that, what I mean is that, that Andrew is my pastor. Okay? He's my pastor. And we ought to respect him that way. And start to understand that his authority is as a pastor. And God brought him here. And so let's hear from him now about what God did. Okay, good morning. So when I consider, um, you know, the, the pastoral, you know, team that we have in MBT, you know, it just uh, is really humbling uh, to be ordained as a pastor here at MBT, you know, it, you know, it's, it's humbling. So, man, pray for me, pray for my family. You, uh, I know just from hearing from different pastors, there's a, a big target on your back, and, you know, anytime you step into a role uh, of a pastor, man, there's just a, a bigger attack. Uh, on on our lives and so please pray for my family okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna share a bit about my testimony in terms of those uh, paths and then I'm gonna share three practical things that I believe will be very helpful to you okay so I I, um, answered a call to salvation in my life in 1998 uh, in the basement of a full gospel assembly Uh, praise the Lord man they they used to preach the gospel then and and uh, answer that call uh, in 1998, some of you probably weren't, weren't born at that time. You know, so I was a started a college ministry uh, in uh, back in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, praise the Lord! Uh, they came and picked us up from the campus, brought us to uh, the church, and then they, they they preached. Okay, and then an answer the call to training, if you will. So 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 here's there's a gap there, because once I received the call to salvation, I I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the next steps was, and then I I went to America, and then. I was in uh, First Calvary Baptist, uh, what now is uh, Redeemer, and it was a dead church, and I didn't know what to do, and then I went to Olathe Bible Church, and then they had a bit of stuff going there, but it wasn't until I went to uh, Kansas City Baptist Temple, and uh, wow, for the first time in my life, I'm like, man, this is, this is a real deal. Uh, they preach the Word of God with authority, and then I started to learn the, the philosophy of discipleship, and so... Uh, pastor Sam Mouse was was my uh, college pastor, right? Just as Brandon is your college, Sam Mouse was my college pastor, a spiritual father to me. 
And then Alessio Gomez is my disciple, you know. And these people meant a lot to me and helped me uh, so much in the beginning stages of understanding uh, my purpose uh, in life. And I just, man, I, I was just excited for what God has for me. So I went through D1, D2, and part of uh, Shepherd School of Ministry. <clears throat> and in 2005, I, I got separated, if you will, as a co-laborer, not as the main person, uh, to help a church plan uh, in London, England. So I spent five years there uh, with Pastor Brian Clark, who was our main, main speaker uh, in Mission Focus, and also Pastor Steve Baker, and, and then a native pastor that, that was ordained there, Pastor Mark Jackson. And it was very profitable. It was you know, a, a time of uh, you know, just, just training, more training, uh, wilderness for me, if you will. Some of you that heard me preach in the uh, evangelism too, I mentioned that to you. you know, wow, it's a, just a new ball game. And in 2011, uh, man, God, God called me back to Midtown Baptist Temple. Man, I got a work for you to do, right? I got further training that you, you need to have, uh, you know, as in Midtown as an annual model church, right? Midtown is an annual model church and was still growing at the time. So I, I served with, uh, with Pastor Dan Renault, right? Um, and Kaya was brand new. It was only like 10 people at that time. I was the worship guy and just did everything that needed to be done, and, and, and I was his right-hand man, and, and he was my pastor, you know, and now uh, Pastor Briscoe, for the last, what, two years, three years, yeah, is my pastor, and so God just brought me through that whole cycle and journey, and it's not done, by the way, you know, it's not done, just, just like uh, Pastor Brandon was talking about, man, I'm still gleaning from people, in fact, I, you know, talk about Pastor Mark Short, I just texted him yesterday about something, and it's so cool, we are rich, uh, in the fellowship, and so praise the Lord. There's three things I want to impart to you. One of them uh, already kind of been mentioned, and I'll just uh, I'll try not to be too redundant, but the first thing, okay, the first thing, if you're serious about growth, you need to have a Paul or Paulette, right, if you're a girl, uh, in your life. You, you really do, okay? We, we facilitate this through D1, and, uh, but sometimes I'm, I'm telling you it doesn't happen even in D1. Right, because there there is no, there's no embracing, there's no cleaving, unto that mentor person. So it's just like I seen this happen, that people would just take D one as a stepping stone to something more, and that's that's not right. You know, uh, I want you to know that that all of us need a spiritual father, a spiritual mother to speak into our life. You need that person that can be honest with you, that you're open to that person, and that person can check you, on things. Right, just as as Pastor Brandon was talking about, how man we're so passive, uh, and we we don't want to confront people on different things, right? But if you are serious about discipleship, you need to be open. You need to seek out, you know, a mentor, a, a Paul, a Paulette, that that you look up to, and then you open yourself to that person, so that that person can speak into your life. You know, it, it's no you know it's no surprise when we see. The children of Israel, right? They, they talk about, I, I don't know the exact period of time, maybe a year for, for Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. 40 years. And, and guess what? Most of them are dead, right? 40 years. And so we all come with different backgrounds, different hang-ups, different character flaws, just different Things is that do do you, right? Do you relate to that? We all have all different junk in our life, and and so it's so important that we allow someone to speak into that and help envision you, to give you a trajectory so that man you you get on the fast track, right? So there's no shortcuts to growth, but there is a fast track. Okay, there is a fast track, and it's a I made that so that's easy for you to remember. Uh, actually, F A S T is a acronym. I just. People usually, usually say fat. I add an S to it, so it's fast track. Okay, F. What is F? Man, uh, you, you need to be faithful where you are, right? You need to begin by being faithful where you are. If you're in D1, be faithful. If you're in a small group, be faithful. If you're in ministry, be faithful. You know, when, when, why? Because you want, you know, real father in the faith looks for faithful people. Right? I'm just telling, oh, I can't find Paul, I can't find Paul. Well, maybe, maybe you weren't faithful. Right? And so, so you got you to start with being faithful. 
right? When, when Paul chose Timothy, Timothy didn't choose Paul. Did you know that? I mean, I heard about Paul, a great guy, but Paul chose Timothy. Why? The Bible says he was well-reported. He had a good reputation. And, and like Paul's like, yeah, that guy. I want that guy. So be, be that person. Be that person that fathers in the faith wants to invest in you. So A, you're going to make yourself available, right? A, you're going to make yourself available uh, because, you know, fathers of the faith, they're busy people, right? Brandon, I mean, Pastor Sam, man, Pastor Sam always talks about uh, referring himself as butter, right? There's only so much butter to go around. So, man, uh, you know, if, if you're a faithful person, man, get, you know, make yourself available to that person, whatever that person needs, Man, you, you want to kind of glean from that. Okay, that leads me to the next point, which is servant, right? As serving, serving. If you look at the discipleship relationship, Moses to Joshua, right? Uh, Elijah, Elisha. What you will see is that Joshua was Moses' minister, right? You will see that Elisha ministered unto Elijah, you know? And through that experience, through that ministry that they do together, right? They were serving them. Whatever you need, Moses, man, I'm just here. I'm, I'm making myself available. I'm serving you, and I'm doing different things, you know? The first mention of Joshua, we see that he was fighting, and, and, and Moses was just praying, right? But then, but then Moses later rehearsed the thing that what God was, was doing. It's like, hey, bro, you didn't win the fight, by the way. You know that, right? Because I prayed for you. I lifted my hands, and, and I got other people lifting my hands. And so it provides an opportunity as you serve the minister, Right, the, the 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 your discipler, your spiritual father, it leaves a lot of, lot of experience, right? A lot of a, a lot of room to see your character flaw. Right? If you didn't make yourself available, how do I see? Because how do I see what, what's going on in your life? How can I see the, the flaws in your life so that man I can speak into that? So you have to make yourself available, you have to serve. And then, and, then, and then that spiritual father, mother can, can speak and, hey, man, look, look at this. Does that make sense? Right? So, so many times we talk about like unity, you know, all that, until you serve. And, and you can see, like, man, it's, it's not easy. Right? Right? It's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, the last one, teachable. Teachable. So F-A-S-T, teachable, is, is if you want on the fast track, you've got to be teachable. Right? You've got to allow people to, to, to speak hard things into your life, and that's, that's, that helps you right? rather, than, rather than going through the same issues all the time. If someone's speaking to your life and you're teachable, you're humble, man, you don't have to work through that same issue so long. Does that make sense? Some, t- some people take five years. Why, why take so long? Man, if you're teachable... Man, it's a joy to teach that person first and foremost. But man, then you can kind of move on and grow from that. Amen. Okay. Uh, second thing I want to mention here is you are responsible for your growth in the Lord. You are responsible, right? Not 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 your mentor, if you will. I mean, they they have partial responsibility, but ultimately you are responsible for your own growth. Look at Judas. Judas Iscariot, right? Judas Iscariot has the best pastor in the world. He has the best Bible study in the world. He has the best counselor in the world. And yet he failed. Why is that? Why is that? Right? Man, we are responsible ultimately for making choices in our life to change, to, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And it's, 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 it's no one's fault. It's our fault, right? If we, don't, if we don't grow, I mean, it's because we didn't decide to follow Jesus Christ in the first place. And so, 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 so here's the thing. In terms of responsibility, you've got to deal with your sin and stronghold. Your sins and stronghold. This is, a, this is a key thing, especially pet sin, hidden sin, right? Especially the, the dreams, the hopes, that you have, man, you have to come to that conclusion that God is worthy to be served. You have to. That's no other way. That's consecration, right? If we're always like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to serve mammon and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to serve God, you're always going to be stuck in that place. 
and you have to decide, you have to come to that conclusion, right? In the end, we see Judas did count the cost. It was 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was worth three months of wage to him at the end of the day. That was the cost. What is it to you, right? What is it to you? You're responsible, right? And then we learn to endure uh, and abide in him, endure hardness, the trials and different things, right? It's true that, that God wants to give you tests and say, hey, you know, I see that you trust me, right? When, you, when we see Abraham, when we look at Genesis 22, we, we, we see, wow, man, Abraham, that's awesome. You, 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 you're all in. You can even give up your only son, right, uh, to God. But that didn't take a year or two years. It took many years. And the reason why Abraham got to that place was he endured hardness. He endured trials and he learned from the trials. And so we need to endure hardness, right? We need to endure hardness as a good soldier. And so we can learn and grow in the Lord. And so 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 1 talks about this, right? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We want to perfect, right? We want to mature in Christ, right? Because we ultimately we want to fear the Lord in a healthy way. You don't do something because you have the fear of God in you. And you do something because you know it's worth following God. Last thing, okay? The will of God, this is, this is, this is nothing new here, right? This, but it's important. The will of God is the same for everyone, but the plan of God is different. Right, the, the will of God is the same for everyone, is to conform or to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But the plan in terms of how you get there may be different. Right? The gifting that you have is different. So, so we got to stop comparing ourselves with one another. Right? When you look at this ministry and you see people growing, people getting promoted and so on, it's not wise to compare yourself to another person. Otherwise, you find yourself competing. Otherwise, you, you find yourself trying to live out a role that God never intended you to, to be at, right? The end goal is not to be ordained as a pastor. The end goal is not to be sent out as a missionary. The end goal is trust and obedience. It is. And you know what, what is so cool? When we look at Scripture, we see that, you know, the, the Bible talks about uh, this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 22 to 23, right? That, that God tempered the whole body. Temper the whole body. It says members that we think less honorable, God tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. You see, man, we, we, we need all members, right? We need, we need the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, you know, and, and all. And so, so very important, right? Don't, don't compare yourself with one another. Know that God... It's going to judge us according to what he's given us, right? The, the, the greater the calling, the greater, you know, do, do not be more, uh, masters of many things, right? Because the judgment is going to be uh, severe, more severe with that. Okay, I'll leave you with this, Philippians 3.13. Uh, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so, see, see Paul here, who written so much of the New Testament, says that, man, I haven't arrived. I haven't apprehended, right? But this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, man, we've got to forget our past, right? Do not allow your past to get in the way of what God has for you today and in the future, right? Why? Because, because there is a reward. Right? There is a reward. The judgment seat of Christ is real. If you're safe, you're not judged for your sin, but you are judged for your service. Right? There is a price. There is a reward. I can't imagine what that will look like. It's going to be amazing. Right? It is going to be amazing. So thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, Pastor Brandon. Please. I hope that was clear. It was really good. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're getting low on time here.
And I know that some of you probably need to scurry, but I'm going to close this way. Verse 5 of Acts 13 says, And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God. And I want you to understand that that's what maturity looks like. See, what you've been entrusted is the name of Jesus Christ. You carry it. You're an ambassador of the Son of God. And I, I don't know about you, but there are times when I fail to recognize the gravity of that entrustment. And, uh, and I was reminded last night when I got a text from Harrison saying that a student of mine uh, from Lee Summit West had uh, died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, kid named Colby. He, uh, yeah, I could, I, could t- I could say a lot about Colby. He's gentle and sweet and kind. He's like 6'4". Um, we referred to him, he, he was kind of a country boy. We referred to him as a wood boy, which is what you call the, at West, that's what we called all the industrial tech kids. The kids that were like country and like work with, in the wood shop were wood boys. But he was also an artist and, and he was a great painter and a better sculptor. And, um, and uh, he was my friend. And he was 18. And he died. He's gone. Now, I know that Colby Preston, um, for all that he was and his weaknesses and his his strengths, I know that Colby Preston is in heaven right now. And the reason I know that is because I talked to him about the gospel. <clears throat> I know that because I, I opened the book with him. And I know that because he told me his testimony. I wouldn't know that unless I, I didn't know that my primary purpose in life was to talk about the gospel with every living creature. Every single person that I know. I do them harm. I do them shame to not recognize their soul. And what maturity looks like is a person who's determined to take the gospel of peace to every person they meet. And anything short of that is a failure to represent Christ. So a lot has been said today. But we're going to pray. And if you recognize at some level, among those five things that we've talked about, there's something that's missing. Then let's deal with that. Let's grab someone and let's pray and let's talk about it. Perhaps you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never been called. Well, guess what? That's not... That that has nothing to do with God. Because He called you. That's what this is. That's what Jesus is. He came to you. It's your choice whether or not to receive the calling. You've been called. Perhaps you need to be trained. You recognize that there's something missing in terms of your mentorship and ministry. And you need to get involved, and you need someone pouring into you. Okay, we'll make that decision now. Talk to someone about it. Maybe you know that you're being separated. Maybe you know that there's another direction that you need to go in order to invest rightly. God's calling you to another ministry, or maybe God's calling you to the mission field. Maybe you're supposed to leave. Okay, well, let's talk about what that looks like. Maybe you're being separated for something in particular. Some of you are being sent. Some of you need to pray about whether or not Vietnam is where you're supposed to be. 
I'm pretty convinced that there's still people in this room that haven't yet yielded themselves to Boston. There's people in this room right now who don't know it, but you're supposed to go with that team. I believe that. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's two years down the line. I don't know. But you know that you're being sent. But ultimately, all of us are responsible for preaching. If you know Jesus, it's time to start preaching. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you really for purpose, that we can live in this life. And, and so many times in life, we're depressed and we're frustrated because we don't know who we are. And we look around and we see failure and we see struggle and we see things mounting up against us and we don't know where to go and we don't know what to do and life seems to, life seems to be broken. But it's the person who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's the person who has been saved by grace through faith. It's that person that can know what they're supposed to do with themselves. They can know their identity. They can know their greater calling. And they can live it, and they can love it, and they can look around, and even in the midst of storms can say, God, this is so good. This is so much fun. What else could I do? That's a unique type of person. There's not many people like that in the world. Lord, make us that type of person. God, we need you. Pour your love into our lives. Help us to hear your word. Help us to know who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.